Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it's Craig Fowler here, introducing you to a special episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. This is a podcast recorded between Craig G. Telfer and Sean McGuigan, looking back at the Scottish Cup final between Inverness and Falkirk. Now, this is a series that we're running currently on our Patreon, so that's patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, but we thought we should give a little bit more in the main feed, the free feed, uh, that you guys enjoy a bit more while everybody's got a bit more free time and just a bit more distraction while, you know, uh, the uncertainty around the global health crisis and, and everything that entails. So, hope you enjoy. Uh, we did have a little bit of problems with Sean's sound. Uh, he's still, you can still hear him, but you'll notice a, a drop in quality after five minutes. We don't know exactly why that is, so I can only apologise for that in advance. But we, once Amazon are starting to deliver in again, I have just paid for a microphone for Sean to have, so in future he can sound crystal clear, and you can just appreciate that Fife accent in all its glory. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. And again, if you want to hear more of this stuff, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. Thank you. Goodbye. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, where people who have more money than sense come to waste their precious time. <laughs> my name is Craig Telfer, and I am be- delighted to be joined remotely by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Sean, how are you doing? I'm, I'm very well. I'm very well, Craig. How are you? Uh, yeah, good. Good within the circumstances, just trying to adjust to this this brave new world and uh, and just, just get on with things, you know? I was very surprised to uh, to to see you with with no with apparently no clothes on potentially uh, when this when this camera went on. Yeah, well, the, the good thing is I I might be naked whilst I'm recording this podcast, but the good news is it's for people's ears only, so nobody can nobody can see uh, the fact that I am um, currently derobed 
as it were, and, and nor would anyone want to, nor would anyone want to. Um, but nevertheless, we are here, we're going to, to jump back five years to 2015, we're going to talk about a, a classic Scottish Cup final, and we're going to be talking about the match between Inverness, Caledonian Thistle and Falkirk. What are some of your me- memories from, from that game, Sean? We'll just talk about it generally, what are some of your memories for that match? Bear in mind, my uh, bear in mind, my memory in general is absolutely horrendous. So about <laughs> the only thing I could remember was the scoreline and uh, Peter Grant's thumping header mm. and uh, the, the final goal. I'd forgotten yeah. how good I'd forgotten how good the first goal was. Yes, I've forgotten how good the first goal was, which was a, a really good goal. And I tell you what, I would say though, I know it's so I know the the SFA have put it up as a as a classic final, but watching it back. Did you did you think it actually was a classic final? I thought it was an entertaining match. I enjoyed watching it back. I think the game took a wee bit of time to get going. About after about ten minutes, when when Cali Thistle began to sort of take control, Cali Thistle really dominated the first half. Falkirk were much better in the second half. But I think once it got going, it was actually a, an entertaining game of football. I'm not going to match the like, the Motherwell Dundee United game. Uh, and, and let's be honest, it's only up there because it was like it was Cali Thistle was a, a landmark game for for Cali Thistle. But I, I enjoyed watching it back. I, I thought it was a, a good match. I, I thought it was decent, and I thought it was. I thought it was momentous for the fact that obviously Inverness had won it for the the first time ever. I thought it was, I thought it's notable for where Scottish football was at the time. Yeah, definitely. And this whole thing about the, the kind of rise of the Diddies and the fact that the Rangers were nowhere in sight. Celtic were struggling in cups uh, at, at that time. I am not sure that the, the action on the park uh, would necessarily justify it being a classic. Albeit, as you say, I, I, I thought it was entertaining. I, I enjoyed yeah. watching it back. But maybe that's just because I was excited to watch football again. Yeah, oh, definitely, man. We'll come on to that because I had some. There was a couple of emotions I had uh, during the game that, that kind of really brought up, like how much football means to me and, and how much I'm missing it just now. But it's interesting. Something you touch on there is about Celtic and how how they were really struggling in, the co- in these cup competitions. But if you're to jump back to the semi final, Celtic really should have been. In, in the final because of course it was one of perhaps very funny but one of the great injustices of Scottish football in recent times the, the, the Josh Meekings handball uh, Ridiculous I've actually because I, I kind of read up on that as well when, when I realised we were doing this game so I'd forgotten that he had been cited uh, so I think he'd been given a, a red card after the game or certainly the panel had been asked to look at it but they said that they couldn't look at it because the referee had seen it at the time. But then you think to yourself, but surely if the referee had seen it at the time, then they couldn't, the referee couldn't possibly have come to that decision and, and wave play on. It was extraordinary. I'm sure they, they had officials behind the goals as well. Am I right? They, had, they certainly had them for the final. They had the officials behind the goals the for the semi-final. For the semi-final. But definitely right. for the final, you're right. Because that was that was extraordinary. That was per- perhaps I, I watched it back thinking it's probably not as bad as you remember it. It's worse than I remember worse. it. <laughs> it's worse. It was it worse. Was reminiscent of was it Stuart Taylor that was a centre half? It's not as bad as that. But who was Stephen Taylor? Stephen, Stephen Taylor. It wasn't as bad as that, but he did make a motion uh, that was similar to Taylor in terms of his acting ability. Yes, ah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was very funny, and it was good. It's like the, the rise of the Diddies. This was that sort of the it was a fantastic little window in, in the history of Scottish football. Probably 
not likely to see it uh, again when you had a, a poor Celtic side under Ronnie Dyler. You had Rangers who were toiling. Rangers finished third in the championship that season. They had a really, really bad year. And, of course, uh, were, were dismantled by Motherwell in the, the Premiership playoffs. But that period where you had uh, St. Johnson winning the Scottish Cup, Cali Thistle winning the Scottish Cup, Ross County winning the League Cup, we're, we're, we're never really likely to see that again. No, no. there was also, uh, there was also a wee thing where... There was a phase where whoever beat Wraith Rovers in the Scottish Cup would go in to win it. So let me get this right now. I think it went, uh, they lost to Celtic, who went on to win it. Then they lost to St. Johnson, who went on to win it. Then they lost to Inverness in the quarterfinals that season, who obviously went on to win it. Yeah. Then they lost to Hibs the, the next season that went on to win it. But I must admit, the, the, the Inverness quarterfinal against Wraith Rovers, I, I was furious because I was, so was travelling up on a Saturday. I was the, the the girl who I was seeing at the time. I'd actually said who was who who watched football, but wasn't that into it. But I'd said to her, "Look, do you, do you want to go to Inverness for the? We'll go up on the Saturday. We'll go to the game. We'll get tickets for the game. We'll kind of make a night of it, and, and that'll be good. It'll be like a, a good Saturday." So we left the house on the the Saturday morning. Nice weather down in Fife. Got to Pitlochry, sitting in a, a, a nice kind of pub restaurant, having a breakfast, and I looked at my phone. And the game had been cancelled. And I was like, <laughs> remember that yeah, United fan that was going absolutely daft when United could see the goal to Aloha? That's a fucking left back. That was, that was like, my, but I, I think I'm reasonably, been reasonably well brought up and I don't swear that often like that. And I know how to behave in public, but I was absolutely furious that the game had been, uh, been cancelled. And then we got to Inverness. And now I've been to Inverness maybe four times. And it was the nicest weather I have ever seen in Inverness. And I appreciate that maybe it had been absolutely freezing for the week before, or maybe it had been lashing with rain for the week before, but I was, uh, I was ex- extremely annoyed that we got to Inverness to see this sun-kissed sky, uh, but the game had been cancelled. And then I went back up on the Tuesday, and it was, uh, it was rubbish, because we were <laughs> supposed to take eight or 900 fans up on the Saturday, so I thought this is going to be a good atmosphere, it's going to be a good game. I quite fancy our chances. I think we can maybe give Inverness a game just because it'll be a good atmosphere and we'll have a really good travel and support. And on the Tuesday night, we, we took 140. We barely touched the ball. Uh, Barry McKay put in one of the most anonymous performances I've ever seen and it wasn't good. What did you make of the teams then for this fi- the, the final? Um, I mean, this is the... We'll, we'll, start with, we'll start with Falkirk first because when you look through that Falkirk lineup and when you saw them playing this, there was some... There were some right good players in that Falkirk team. Some some real like, like proper. You think of Falkirk over the last decade, the last few years haven't been particularly good, but certainly between about 2010 to about 2015, 2016, they had some real real class players there. I suppose for the I suppose for a lot of these players, this is probably the start of Falkirk being. Because I think back to that Falkirk team, and I think of as much as they were in the championship, I kind of. I think back to that team and think this is a team that probably could have handled itself in in the Premiership because they, really? so they, they finished fifth this season, mm-hmm. uh, the season they returned to. Then they, they they maybe finished third and then second for the two seasons after, or vice versa. That's no, right, uh, aye. But, but guys like uh, guys like Will Volks yeah. and and Blair Alson and and you know, so watching back on this game and and we we, we might touch on them later, but it's it's particularly sad in terms of what happened to Peter Grant because yes. I, I don't know if anybody on the park that day was as, was as good as Peter Grant and, and didn't get me wrong I mean he's, he's still playing away he's at Queen's Park but there's absolutely no chance 
do a bit at Queen's Park if he didn't pick up the, the injuries that, that he's picked up. He was a, he was a, a, a centre-half that had fantastic potential. Yeah, definitely, de- de- definitely. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right in what you say. I think he, he don't know the sky would have been the limit for someone like Peter Grant, uh, but just um, unfortunately injuries have sort of cur- curtailed him, and now he's playing part-time football. And there's no there's no shame in that, you know. But it's just kind of five years down the line, it's not exactly where where people would have expected. You also had guys there. I thought who particularly impressed me. I actually thought Rory Loy had quite a good game for Falkirk. It was it was for Rory Loy. That was the first time he'd played since the the quarter-final against Queen of the South, he picked up an injury in that match and hadn't played for 11 weeks. But I don't necessarily think you would have you would have known it watching him. I thought he had some really nice touches in the ball. He was quite clever the way he used possession. And even though he's not necessarily a target man, uh, you know, he's not like a big guy, I actually think he fulfilled that role quite well with them. I, I listened to, uh, I listened to a, a little-known podcast called Tell Him He's Pelly. Oh. I'm, sure, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I'm, I'm, I've listened Rory to it once or twice. Rory Loy was a guest and I, I thought he came across very well. I, I thought he was asked some, some very good questions. Uh, but he had he gave some he gave some really good insight actually into folk up season, into the, the final, into how he felt about the fact that he hadn't played for, for so long. Uh, I, I don't know if you wanted to, to talk about that a wee bit. I I think it was the the thing that, that struck me. I think we'll we'll come on to it with with, uh, with, with Rory Lai, the, the insight from, from from that match. But he certainly he, he he wasn't fit. He said himself he wasn't fit. And, and Falkirk hadn't played for literally four weeks. Twenty eight days was the last time Falkirk had played because of the quirk they finished in fifth place. There were still all the playoffs to go through. Uh, but did you get the impression watching them that they, they were tired? Uh it's, di- it's difficult to say that. Bear in mind they picked up in the second half. Mm. Uh, but certainly the certainly the first half. The, it was strange because as much as as much as the first half belonged to Inverness and the second half belonged to Falkirk, neither of the goalkeepers were particularly no. hot. Like, uh, Jerry McDonald didn't have too many saves to make and didn't do particularly well with the saves he was eventually asked to make. And uh, and Ryan Essen didn't have that much to do either. It was no. more to do with uh, it was more to do, I suppose, with possession that each team had uh, yeah. in each half. But neither of them necessarily stretched the defence in the, in the final third in, in either half. Before we move on to Inverness, Caledon, this is a special word for Taylor Morgan, who came on in the 89th minute for Rory Loy. Certainly, perhaps the... I say certainly, perhaps. Certainly, the worst player to have ever played in a Scottish Cup final. <laughs> it's funny, because I was thinking to myself, uh, when, I, when I looked at the squad, I was like, right, so... Rory Loy hadn't played for whatever it was, uh, eight, nine, ten weeks. Is there anybody else that, that, that could have that could have started? And I looked at the substitutes bench and it was the only other forwards were Botty Biabi and Taylor Morgan. I was like, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Loy, Loy had to start this game. Botty Biabi was actually all right when he came on. It was. No, you're absolutely right, it was actually. To be fair to him, and and in Inverness Caledonian Thistle, this was sort of like a a, a classic Cali Thistle team. Where I mean, most of the team, uh, the majority of the team, are made up of guys who'd been sourced from the like English lower leagues. I thought that I thought the guys that played particularly well. We we often criticise when a commentator is possibly uh, commenting on a Scottish Cup tie, and it's a, a part-time team, and they'll do this thing where they'll say. Oh, and, and he's uh, there's Bobby Lynn and he's, his full time job is as a binman and things like that but during the Scottish Cup final is it, I forget his first name is Crocker Ian Crocker 
Ian Cogger. He, he just kept listing off all the kind of jobber English teams that the Inverness Cali Thistle players had played for before. Like, you get a rest, man. I thought the, you know, so I was, I, there was a couple of things I was surprised about. I was actually quite surprised at how, how little influence Ryan Christie had in the match. You know, uh, obviously... The, I, I, I kind of thought that about quite a lot of the players because there's, there was a lot of talented players on show and I don't know if a lot of them played as well as they, as well as they could. So guys like Marley Watkins played pretty well, Aaron Doran played pretty well, mm. Peter Grant, as I've already mentioned, played pretty well, but a lot of the other guys might have looked back and, especially Falkirk, I suppose, Falkirk players, and might have looked back and answered, well, I, I possibly could have played, uh, playing within themselves, mm. I, I suppose. It certainly wasn't a day for uh, forward players in general. Nobody really stuck out for, for either team, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I suppose right. I thought Aaron Doran was very good in the first half. I think he made a lot of good runs down the left wing. He was getting into good spaces. I thought the, the his teammates were they were playing like like balls out for the back, like Carl Tremarco. They had a couple of good like like long diagonals out to the out to the wing that were finding him. But it was he was getting into good spaces. But I don't necessarily think the 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 play from that point on was very good. You're absolutely right in what you say in terms of like Jamie McDonald rarely tested Ryan Essen. Rarely tested, but it's interesting. You touch on Marley Watkins there, and I, I was watching him, and I thought that he—he he was obviously he, he was the, the game's most important player, given that he he scored the opener and played a massive part in the in Inverness Cali Thistles winner. I thought he was mince. <laughs> it was weird. I just thought everything he everything he did, he fouled a lot. I don't think Peter Grant and Big David McCracken gave him a, gave him a lot of change. Uh, I thought that his, his touch was a wee bit unsure. He looked a wee bit like a Harry, but you can't argue. Fundamentally, you cannot argue his contribution to the match. You're saying that, and I don't, I don't disagree as such. However, what I would say is, see the see the second goal, and the fact that Jamie McDonald made uh, an, an egregious error mm-hmm. that that kind of protected David McCracken because he actually made. He made a pretty poor error when that ball was coming out as well. He he kind of let it go over his head, <sighs> then he fell over, and that was he was absolutely out of the game. Exactly made the absolutely made the initial error. And as much as as much as Peter Grant was was I, I thought excellent on the day, and the, as that second goal or the or the move for the second goal unfolded, I thought he backed off and backed off and backed off until the point he couldn't really do anything because he might have backed off until he was in the area, and then he also fell over so he, he probably could have met him and maybe even fouled him or something or done, done, done anything to kind of break up that move because there was a, a there was a point where you knew Falkirk were in big trouble yeah we'll, we'll come on I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll save that and come on it was the most at fault there, there was other guys in the, in the Falkirk team that were, that were also to blame Aye. I think we'll, we'll, we'll park that just now Sean we'll, we'll come on because that's I mean that is like the game's decisive moment um, I mean it was. I, I thought the the match was a was a bit of a slow burner. I thought the first ten minutes took a wee bit of time to to, to get going, and I think both teams, as you say, were finding their feet. Falkirk hadn't played a game in four weeks. Uh, there was times where they looked a wee bit rusty on on the ball. They, obviously, in the second half, they looked a lot better. But it was it was Cali Thistle certainly that who had the, the the better of the first half, and it was sort of. I mean, I I can't really think of, of anything interesting particularly that happened. Uh, before the first goal, just the only the only interesting thing I thought about before the before the first goal, or even 
or even before the game started, actually, was the fact that, the, and I don't know if this is normal, and I just hadn't noticed before, but the fact that the referees had, sorry, referee and the, the, the officials had mascots. Is that Didn't normal? They? I, I, I don't know. Actually, like Willie Collum and the, and the linesmen were, were, had mascots as well. I'm just, like, imagine, if you'd, imagine if you were an Inverness or a Falkirk fan, and you, were, <laughs> and you did a, a mascot competition, and you won, and you're like, oh, smashing, who's going to lead now? Is it going to be Peter Grant? Is it going to be Adam Dorn? And then like, Willie Collum sticks uh-huh. out his wee spindly arm, and he's the one that leads you out. So that was, I thought that was strange. And the only other thing I thought was noteworthy was uh, I'd forgotten how aggressively John Hughes chews gum. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen the film Alive? <laughs> that, that's about the, the rugby team that crashes in the Andes. Yes. So you know how eventually it gets to the point where they have to cut off some of the, some of the people who haven't survived. They eventually have to start cutting off bits from their buttocks and, and eat them. Is, is, is that what John Hughes looks like? He's eating a pair of buttocks. Well, no, well, no but bear in mind these, the, 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 the buttock flesh would be frozen solid. I can't imagine they would have to chew more than John Hughes is chewing his. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's such a, a very specific simile there. That's a, I, I love that man. I absolutely love it. Well, if nothing, I mean, I, I kind of made notes from the game as I was uh, as I was going into it, but then I'm just kind of kind of reading, reading them back, and there was there was nothing. Uh, that, that that really happened. However, I mean, we might as well jump to the the towards the end of the the first half when when Marley Watkins opened the the scoring for Inverness Cali Thistle with a very good goal. Uh, a lovely goal, a lovely goal, and that as much as so, so Inverness and Rory Lloyd mentioned that on the mentioned on the podcast that uh, Inverness are, are very good at keeping the ball and they play really good football. But at points and during the game, they were, they were quite happy to go direct as well and try mm. and. The fact that Marley Watkins would go on the the, the shoulder of the last man, but the, that goal kind of summed up what they're all about. I, I, I mean, I think it came from a I think it came from a loose long pass from maybe Luke Leahy. I think it came from the left back area, uh, but it literally came from defence to midfield to attack. It was all one touch or two touch. It was all pretty incisive, uh, and then uh, was it was it Doran that yeah. played it through. To, to Watkins and I saw because I had a look back at the, the Pine Bovril thread as well and I saw some comments to say that Jamie McDonald might have been at fault for the first goal as well but I didn't think he could have done too much more maybe Joel Sked uh, a resident goalkeeping expert would, uh, <laughs> would know more no I didn't think he was he was too much at fault for that one the, the, the interesting thing I know I, I, I don't know if, if this is my, my perception of it it looked as though when Aaron Doran picked up the ball and this all happened within the space of a couple of seconds but when Aaron Doran picked up the ball Marley Watkins is offside but then chasing back Luke Leahy and Peter Grant are chasing back they seem to just just as they chase back and catch up like to put, put they basically play Watkins onside and it's yeah. just it all, hap- it all happens very very quickly if they if I think if they had stopped running Doran would have passed it to Watkins. He'd been offside, but they don't. Just it just it's all very split second stuff. They catch up to um, where uh, Watkins is, and Watkins is a good touch and a, a very good finish around the goalkeeper. I think it's very harsh to say that um, that that Jay McDonald's to blame for it. I did notice though that, that Peter Grant coming across, he looks like he's going to slide in, but then sort of pulls out of it. Yeah. Yeah, possibly because he was worried about being the last man at that point. Yeah, I think, I think so. I think that that would have been a 
did, that would have definitely denied the goal-scoring opportunity. He did have, uh, he, Peter Grant did have, now was it, I can't remember if it was before this goal. No, it was again on, on Aaron Doran in the first half. He did have a, a, a kind of last man tackle where he, where he slid in and scooped the ball away with his left foot and it was ab- absolutely fantastic. Yeah, the thing about Grant, as much as he kind of defended away crosses and generally his positional sense was very good, if there was any point where he uh, wasn't quite exactly where he should be, he, he was generally able to make up for it. I, one of the things I noticed, Falkett were defending a, a set piece, and they were, he he was like organising defence. And obviously, he's a he's a good deal younger than than uh, David McCracken. It must be what, eight or nine years, but, but, but between them. But he was certainly the more vocal. He was the one that was holding his teammates' arms, shouting at them, looking along the line, and, and making sure that, that everyone was well organised. He must have only been about, James. He must have only about like twenty one, twenty two, yeah. younger than that at that point. I suppose. I haven't checked, but I'd imagine the entire Falkirk team must have had a fairly, a fairly youthful average age about it. I would imagine. Definitely, I think that the guys like in that team, Grant, Leahy, Alston, Volk, Sibold, like Div Smith would have been quite young. I think David McCracken would have uh, raised raised the average age quite considerably. In- incredible thing, David Smith played in that final. Actually, it was kind of when I was watching it back, I was trying to figure out what what his position was or, or what f- formation Falkirk were playing. It looked like a four four one one, but where uh, Div Smith was playing almost as a like, a like as a winger behind, like in coming in and giving Lloyd support. Do you know something? See when uh, see when we got that email for Craig Fowler, he was like, "Look, here's uh, here's some talking points uh, when you watch this game." And one of the one of the topics was biggest dumpling. So I looked at the two starting 11s, and even before I'd watched the game back, I was like, right, David Smith will undoubtedly be the biggest dumpling. <laughs> and he absolutely was. I, it is incredible that he he, he played in a, a Scottish Cup final. There was a point in the first half where he, uh, so I would say that he played on the right, but there was a point where he, he somehow found himself on the left and he had three, he had three Falkirk players up in support, and if he picked at any of them, uh, it, it might have uh, uh, allowed Falkirk to, to open scoring. And he just kind of, he just kind of tapped it, just yeah. tapped it in Ryan Nesson's arms. And he was, you know, he was the, I think he was the first player for both sides to be to be subbed off on the on the day. And I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, you're right. He was, he was. But but certainly though, Falkirk were a, a lot better in the in the second half though. Oh, aye, totally. Uh, whether that was a whether that was a, a, a rocket from from Peter Houston, I know Laurie Loy, sorry, Rory Loy mentioned that he well he, he, he likes to call a spade a spade. I'll be honest, see when see when people describe themselves as I'd like to call a spade a spade. I, I, I generally think hmm, that that possibly means you're a bellend. But uh, he, he, he suggested that he's not shy about coming forward. So I'd imagine Houston went through them at halftime because they were. And, and as much as they were a team that finished fifth in the championship that season, they they could play a lot better than that. It, it was quite interesting that Loy uh, said on when you were interviewing him that he said that they had a when they met when Falkirk met Queen of South in the quarterfinals mm, of yeah. the Scottish Cup, there was almost a feeling uh, at that point. As much as both wanted to finish in the playoffs and both wanted to get the Scottish Cup final, there was a feeling that whoever won that quarterfinal tie would concentrate on the Scottish Cup. Which I thought was quite—I thought that was quite interesting—and uh, and then so I, as much as that Falkirk team finished fifth, I—I I, I thought man for man they were a better team, 
and that Queen of South side that, that finished fourth. Uh, so I'd imagine that Houston was disappointed at how they performed. Aye, I, I, I'd probably agree with you. I actually thought what um, one of the players that made a difference and, and it was Botti Biabi when, when he came. And we kind of mentioned yeah. him at the start. He he replaced David Smith just after the hour. And Biabi would have been about 17 or 18 at this point. He was very, very young, very, very draw. But I thought that, that he certainly gave, he was up against, it was Graham Shinney that was playing right back for, uh, for, for Cali Thistle. I think certainly he gave him a lot to think about to the extent that I think they, they were doubling up on him by the end. Obviously, his career hasn't quite worked out the way he would have expected. He's, he's, he's currently playing uh, with, with Stenhouse Muir. But I thought it was a, a, a decent, he gave a decent impression of himself. Uh, so he did. I mean, as, as soon as he came on, I, I think he, he kind of got to uh, the byline on the left hand side and put in a, a, a couple of decent kind of yeah. crosses. I'm fairly certain it was Biabi that won the free kick. It was, yes. Driver, if I remember correctly. Uh, so uh, he made a, in terms of cameos, he, he made a, a, a decent impression. Uh, again, again, as we kind of mentioned, it sounds like we're just really talking about the four talking points in the game, the goals and the, the red cards were coming up to, but really. Not a lot happened. Not a lot happened. That there was never bits where you thought that's a great shot or a great passage of play. But the the match really swung in Falkirk's favour with, with 15 minutes to go. It was a, a long ball that was sent out from the uh, from the Falkirk backline, and it was went straight to Carl Tremarco, who inexplicably miscontrolled it. Christ knows what he was doing, but Blair Alston nipped in, and it was it was as clear a red card as you'll ever see. I mean, the tackle was he was about two hours late. Chopped him right across the legs. I mean, Alston would have uh, been clean through on goal had he had he had he scored it. Um, what what do you make of it? His uh, his second and third touches were uh, <laughs> my, arguably my favourite points uh, of the game. It was it, it was it was like it was like his brain had failed had stopped sending messages to his legs in terms of how it works. Because his first touch was it was the game. It was absolutely fine. His second touch sent the ball backwards through his legs, and yes. then his third touch was an absolute disaster. And ah. then, as you say, he was he was forced into that uh, lunging challenge where he was never near the ball. Aye, definitely. And then, then you, you think at that point you've got 15 minutes to to shut the game down. And I think they they certainly they they have been fairly defensive, Cali Thistle. They've been fairly defensive throughout the first half. Sorry. You failed defence at the second half because it was mostly mostly Falkirk uh, dominating without uh, sterile domination, best way to describe it. But at that point, you think, well, we've got 15 minutes to try and protect this lead. Botty, five minutes after that, Botty Biabi wins a free kick. And then there's Blair Alston standing over the ball. Yeah, so his, his delivery in the area was, was excellent. I think Andy. I think Andy Walker gets the player wrong in terms of who was underneath Peter Grant. I can't remember who he said it was, but I think it was Danny Devine. It was Danny Devine was underneath him? He absolutely bullied him. Oh, uh, Danny Devine just hits the turf, and then he, he absolutely thumps it. The, the, the kind of sound as it thumps off his forehead and, and yes. ripples it there. Brilliant. And Loy, Loy mentions it as well as to uh, as to uh, the kind of scene that he saw. As, as Go on, big man. That's how he described it. It was a great header. He was still even as he. And you can see how I know I know it means any, I know it means a lot to anybody that plays the Scottish Cup final. But the fact that he so he kind of celebrated as he runs back, obviously. But even as he takes his kind of centre half position for the restart, he's still kind of celebrating as well. <laughs> so it was brilliant. That was actually my that was probably my favourite moment in, in, in the game. Was there was a bit I'm sure. 
after that, somebody forced that somebody forced a throw in down towards the the, the Cali Thistle. But and it was that point in the game. This was a bit. This was my favourite bit in the game because I imagine myself in the position of either either uh, fan because you've been in that position yourself where you scored a late equaliser and you think we can push on and we can push on and, and go and win this. But then thinking about it for the Cali Thistle perspective, where it's like we have we've we're going to lose this. You know that that sort of, that feeling of nervousness where you think, well, we've we've gone from being a, a goal up and relative Falkirk weren't doing much in relative control to all of a sudden the match swinging in your favour and you can feel the the noise coming from the Falkirk supporters down the down the, the other end of the pitch and I thought this is great this is this is football you know this is football this is what is so great about it and I'm so disappointed that, that it's not there to experience these highs and lows anymore you know. I think, uh, and, and Falkirk at that point as well, just just after what you've just described, that, that throw-in, I'm sure within seconds, they had the, the, the chance, not necessarily to win it, but certainly to take the lead. I think it was Volks played a ball inside, it might have been Danny Williams, and it fell to Kieran Duffy, who was on the overlap. And I think right. I think it had fallen to anybody other than Kieran Duffy. They might have had a, 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 a chance to make it 2-1, but he, he kind of delayed his shot. Not even by that much. He didn't do that much wrong, but he allowed Danny Williams to take it back and, and, and make the block. But if that had fallen to a, a more forward think Falkirk player, then they might have went 2-1 up. Uh, yeah. But then seconds later, they were 2-1 they were down. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. We, we've touched on uh, Rory Loy's Pelly podcast a few times, but I think when Loy talks about the period between Falkirk's equaliser and Inverness Cali Thistle's winning goal, I think that's very interesting. He said that we, you know, you don't just have 10 minutes to win the game. You've got 40 minutes. You know, you've got the 10 minutes and then the, the other half hour. And, uh, well, so I do appreciate what he's kind of saying. I really don't think that, that you could have predicted what would have happened next. Because, I mean, for, for, for that goal, for, for, for a nice Cali Dorian Thistle's um, like winner, it's, it's, it's just a, a calamity of errors. It starts off with, like, Ross Draper, simple clear, headed clearance. And then it goes like David McCracken falls over the ball or like slips in the ball and then falls over, allows Marley Watkins to, to go in. And even then it's like Watkins has still got a lot to do. We kinda of, you've kind of spoken about it. But I think Peter Grant kind of steps off him a wee bit. Yep. And then Watkins plays a shot. I think he uses you know you hear about players they use the they use a defender as a marker and try and bend the ball around them. I think he did that with Peter Grant, but he didn't even, it wasn't he hit with any particular power, wasn't hit with any particular precision. And then there's like Jane McDonald, geez, oh, do you know who was, who was the hero against uh, Hibernian in the, in the previous round? Like it's a terrible, terrible shot. Bounce at me and credit to James Vincent, who had ran the length of the park just to catch up with Watkins and, and join the attack. But he's just in the right place at the right time just to, just to, to tap it into the net. I mean, I, I listened to, to Lloyd's comments as well, and I, I, I read other comments about the fact that, that Falkirk needed, they probably needed calm hands because they had, they, they had extra time to win it and, and take advantage of the fact they had a, an extra man and that they'd overcommitted at that point. But I don't know if they had. I don't know if they overcommitted. As, as I said, that the mistake the mistake with McCracken, that started maybe 45 yards for Inverness's goal. I mean, it, I mean, it was, as you say, it was a, a, a catalogue of. Aye, so McCracken and McCracken and uh, McDonald's errors were, were particularly poor. Grant possibly could have done better, but no, I I don't necessarily 
I don't necessarily think that they had overcommitted themselves at, at that point. It was just a, a series of errors. Yeah, there was there was a horrible moment as well when the camera just holds in Jamie McDonald's face. He's sort of down in his hunches and he's just he, he looks he looks absolutely bereft. You know, and and you, you know there's at that stage there's just there's no time to do anything about it. I'm sure at the end there was a bit where Luke Lee put a big a great really good cross in towards the end and Craig Sibbald was wasn't too far away from reaching it. But I think it kind of at the end there was a bit where where like Blair Olsen, Luke Lee are standing over a ball. It was a free kick. They botched a free kick at the end, and then there's five minutes injury time and and nothing nothing really happens. It really did seem that that, that had really knocked the wind out of their sails. I, I always think when a when a fourth official puts up the the board and it says five minutes, the, there's normally I think if it was four minutes, like the crowd like wouldn't react at all, or three minutes or two minutes, but five minutes, generally you, the crowd will go. Oh, and there is like an expectation that for five minutes something could happen, and that if anything was going to happen, it was probably going to be that free kick. And as you say, they, they botched it and it went about, I mean, about seven yards over the bar, and it was like, yeah, this is this is not going to be our day. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll focus on as well focus on Falkirk again. Rory, Rory Loy uh, said that it was that was the worst, the lowest he's ever felt in football, and understandably so. You can imagine for, for anyone that played for Falkirk in that game would say the same thing. I think it's what made it worse as well. It's really interesting was the fact that that was the last time they would all see each other because that's the summer holidays. You're not going to see each other until you're, you're back at training. By that point, Loy was moving on to, to Dundee. A lot of guys, I'm sure, moved on from at that point as well. But will Volks move on? Uh, Certainly, in the nearest sort of stuff. There's a few guys left for both teams. Uh, the, the both teams kind of went into a wee bit of a flux. Uh, at that point, there was already guys from Inverness that was on a, a pre-contract agreement as well. So, for both teams, it was kind of similar. But uh, I suppose, the, from a uh, focus perspective, it was, it was far more disappointing because they were splitting up on a, a, a sense of disappointment. Yeah, I'm just looking at Wikipedia there, Sean, and it was only, uh, Loy was the only one who left in 2015. Uh, a lot of the other guys still stayed. So, like, Volks left the year, the, the following year. Um, Luke Leahy left in 2017. Uh, Peter Grant didn't leave till 2018. Tom Tau left um, in 2018. So, they're really, still, it wasn't really end Morgan of an year, I suppose. Morgan Taylor would be a big loss. Who's that, sorry? Morgan Taylor. It's Taylor Morgan, but yes, I I, I get the point. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been, I reckon, for for Falkirk that that truly end of an era must have been. Um, it must have been the summer of two thousand and when the I two thousand seventeen when Paul Hartley uh, basically just dismantled the. No, it wouldn't have been. That was two thousand eighteen. Sorry, I think it must have been that the I under Paul Hartley that Falkirk dismantled that team and. And that was the, the the big change at the club, and and it's uh, it, it must be you you're going through, you're looking at that team, and you're looking at the names involved. I just thinking these are these are great players, and Falkirk are just miles away from from, from being at that level again. I, I, I think I, I was thinking back to so one of the questions that Fowler said was is a if I was, what's the most surprising thing looking back at that game? What's the most su- surprising thing uh, compared to what's happening now? So bear in mind, in that 2015, John Hughes had just been voted Manager of the Year. Mm. And within two seasons, he seemed to be almost persona non grata. So that was, yep. so two years later, he was, uh, that was the end of his time at Rayfield, 
he hasn't had uh, he hasn't had a job since, and it doesn't look like he's particularly close to getting no. one unless he unless he really drops down. You would imagine, which is and, and I'm sure there's been I'm sure there's been similar falls from graces in terms of managerial careers and that, that maybe I, I can't think of. Uh, but that seems an, an extraordinary fall from base for Hughes. Yeah, definitely. I suppose you could also look at it the other way round. You've got Ryan Christie, arguably the best midfield, one of the best attacking midfielders in Scotland, um, and you've got uh, like Will Volks now, a Welsh international playing for Cardiff City. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it, it swings and roundabouts. So if I if I could say one thing, I'm just glad it's Hughes that that's had the negative from all those. <laughs> of course, but that that would uh, you'd probably say in terms of his managerial career. Perversely, that is his his greatest achievement and the greatest day in Cali Thistle's history. Oh, no, totally. And I mean, if you think back to but see, in, in in terms of everybody involved that day, it's probably been the highlight of their career, with the exception of Ryan Christie, mm-hmm. uh, Peter Houston, and Jamie McDonald, who won the Scottish Cup at Hearts. I think. Probably, so, I. Everybody involved. It was probably the, the the greatest day they've experienced as to as to now. Sean, I, I must say, I think that was uh, that, that was great fun looking back in that final. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed talking about it. And it was good, good watching back, and it's good to still be involved, even although uh, we we can't um, do, do this face to face. I just hope the sound quality for this was okay. Yes, ditto. Ah well, um, I I just like to thank everyone for everyone for joining us. Um, we hope you 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 got something from it, and we hope that your two dollars or whatever tier. Just say seven dollars. Well, your seven dollars is, is going to good use. Uh, please, um, I suppose you can't say please subscribe. You're already subscribed. Keep subscribing um, to get like red hot podcast content uh, straight to your telephones. Um, and and that's about it. Sean, anything else you want to say? Uh, no, no. Thank you for listening. Okay. Well, listen. Thank you very much. Take care. Stay inside and wash your hands. Bye. Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.